Welcome back to the Hearts Unleashed podcast. We're turning dreamers into doers. If you're ready to open your heart and take inspired action on your dreams, you are in the perfect place with wonderful people. Here's your host, dreamer, educator, and adventurer, Abigail Gazda. Hello, and welcome to episode 351 of the Hearts Unleashed podcast. This is the final episode of the Anxiety series, and it is the final episode of season six. We have been through so much together. I am so excited to be here. Uh, The season wrap-up is always a bittersweet episode because I truly love this podcast. I love this work. I love this conversation. I love showing up for this. And so I, of course, want to do my traditional sort of season and thank you and uh, would love to share just a few statistics for you because in the life of the podcast, we have reached over 78,000 downloads in over 100 countries worldwide, obviously, globally, Uh, 351 episodes six seasons in five years. And fun fact, have I have gone through five microphones over the course of this uh, engagement. Plus, I have another pretty cool statistic. On our host platform, Blueberry, they show a statistic that's called impactful plays. Hearts Unleashed has a 92% impactful play statistic, which means you guys are listening to 92% of the episode. I'm guessing you probably jump off towards the end where I'm giving my little shtick on the exit. But also, um, I just want to say thank you because that shows me we have real listeners who are really listening in week to week. Um, that the episodes I'm sharing, you're you're appreciating all of the information I'm sharing or the entire interview of our guests. So my podcaster heart is just so happy and grateful that you tune in for the length of the episode. And I'm I'm really grateful for your attention. Um, it is never lost on me, you know, how people spend their time, focus, and attention. And for whatever time frame that you're listening to the Hearts Unleashed podcast, I want to deeply and fully thank you for uh, giving me your ears and giving me your heart and opening your mind to what's being shared here. Uh, I want you to know that as we go on a season break, because I go into disappearing December, uh, for those of you who know that, this will probably be my fifth disappearing December. So um, I'll be gone offline social media for Disappearing December. If you need to reach, want to reach me directly, you can reach me, Abigail at heartsunleashed.com. You can email me directly. Um, I'll still be doing client calls. I'll still be doing um, discovery calls. So if you're interested in working together, that's still an option. But um, then I take January off. I'll get back on social media. But the podcast comes back February 28th, my birthday. Every year we launch off on my birthday. And so starting February 1st, I kick off the top 20 countdown. So for, you know, all of the past seasons, we rank the top 20 episodes and I'll be coming on live on socials to share them. So I want you to know that Spotify and like Apple Play, those have a 300 episode limit. So the more episodes over 300 that we publish, the more fall off the front end of the podcast. So if you're listening or you want to maybe catch up or skim through old episodes on the season break and you can't seem to find your favorites or the one maybe that you're looking for under basically 51 at this point, if you can't find those, I really want to encourage you to head to heartsunleashed.com. There is a podcast tab and you can either search by series or search by title Every single episode is there with um, an image, meaning you can see who our guest is, see their face, and uh, see the title. I'm always trying to name the episodes as clearly as possible so that you can understand what they're about. Plus, if you click into the episode, it has a little blurb on what we're talking about, the show notes. So you guys, again, thank you, 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 thank you for tuning into the Hearts Unleashed podcast. Thank you for being a loyal listener yourself. And also thank you to those of you who share. I see on social media, some of you share every single episode that I post and I am so eternally grateful. And then some of you share more privately. Maybe you listen to something and you know exactly who to send it to. Thank you for doing that. 
if you're someone who tunes in because I've sent you the episode, like if you're a client or you've been in a program or I've heard you say something specifically and I say, hey, I think this episode will be great for you and you've tuned in, I'm, I am grateful for every way that you find yourself here. Um, at the risk of sounding redundant, I just wish that I could fully be able to translate or transmute to you how special it is to share this with you because I love this so much. Um, teaching, being a teacher is so such a part of me and my journey and my heart and my skill set and my passion. And this is just one of those places that I feel in the, in my essence as a teacher. And so without further ado, I am so excited to talk about ADHD and anxiety. So we're going to wrap up the anxiety series with this topic. And I have a lot of notes here. I'm really, really excited to dive in and get pretty descriptive about this. So the first thing I want to do here is offer uh, three different sort of descriptions or definitions. ADHD, many of us know, but for those of us that haven't broken it down, is attention deficit hyperactivity disorder. Okay, so ADHD acronym, attention deficit hyperactivity disorder. I'm going to go into that a little bit more in a second, but I wanted to look up and define two different or a, a new uh, term you might see. It's a little more common. It's becoming this like, you know, hot, hot term or whatever is neurodivergent. Okay. So with a quick Google search, Cleveland Clinic explains being neurodivergent means having a brain that works differently from the average or neurotypical person. I have a lot to say about this, but hold on. This may be differences in social preferences, ways of learning, ways of communicating, or ways of perceiving the environment. I really appreciated this part of the description. Um, however, neurodivergent versus neurotypical, I really want to fight and argue like what is typical, what is normal, like who, what, where. And as a teacher in my like pedagogy training, like at, to become a teacher, you have to learn that there are different learning styles, period. Some people are visual learners, audio learners, kinesthetic learners. And so, and then there's different processors, people, verbal processors, written processors, visual processors. And so it's like, it's just so interesting to me, this concept of neurodivergent, because we're all divergent. We're all unique. We're all different. And then obviously there's some typical that it is measured up against some litmus test for that. Uh, so that's Cleveland Clinic. What Cleveland Clinic has to say about it. Forbes says neurodivergent is a non-medical umbrella term that describes people with variation in their mental functions and can include uh, conditions such as autism spectrum disorder or other neurological or developmental conditions such as ADHD. Okay, so it's kind of this umbrella term to sort of bundle together the variation of mental functions. That's what I wanted to point out, M mental functions. So we don't mean to need to make this a disorder. We don't need to make it wrong. We don't need to make it a syndrome as far as it being something that's bad or wrong. However, when it comes to mixing the conversation about ADHD and anxiety, I want to offer in this episode signs and symptoms we'll talk a little bit about. I also want to talk about like perceptions and then long-term effects and also keys to success. So stick around. I, I don't have to convince y'all guys. You guys tune in for at least 92% of the episode. <laughs> so um, I'm, I'm hoping to hold your attention. But what I want to do is distinguish because, um, you know, in the social media world that we live in, you might hear neurodivergent when people are referring to ADHD or some other non-typical way of mental function. All right. So uh, which, again, to me is just such a funny thing because who is normal and what is normal. But anyways, I'm not going to spend a whole episode arguing about that. So let's take a look at signs and symptoms. In typical explanations of ADHD, you're often going to hear hyper, okay, hyperactive, but there's also hypo. So hyper is over, hypo is under. And so hypo is a, where a lot of this 
dysregulation or, um, you know, the the marginalization. There we go. So the lower spe- end of the spectrum, it can go less diagnosed or less identified and therefore needs not being met. Okay. So hyper, hypo, um, when it comes to ADHD, there is an attention deficiency. And I was really impacted. I think I shared this in another episode, but I can't recall. I was very deeply impacted and it was incredibly helpful for me when the first time I started going to a therapist, she explained to me that like I explained it as high highs and low lows. And she was asking about manic. We were in a conversation about manic behavior or manic um, patterns, right? And I and she said the issue with you know an ADHD brain is that you have very short term focus. So oftentimes, long term sustained focus can be difficult, right? Therefore, you're on, you're so present that you can only see like two feet in front of you. So you're heavily reacting or focusing on what's right in front of you. Therefore, you can't see the longevity of an of an outcome. So, so the high highs and the low lows come a lot from our inability to just see that this too shall pass. In fact, I have that tattooed to me because it's it has been a guiding light in my entire life. So another way I want to say this is a ship does not make it across the ocean leaping over water and submarining underwater. It doesn't skip and jump and hop and sink. And all it does is very steadily, very monotonously, very repetitively, just ba-bump, 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 ba-bump. It just moves across the water and doesn't do anything else. It can be so boring for an ADHD person. We love the ring and the, and the it's like, it's a form of entertainment in a way because uh, I'm going to get to it. I feel very ADHD in this, in this explanation, in fact, because I feel like I'm ping-ponging all over. But um, boredom is a big issue. And so I'll, I'll talk a little bit about that, but I don't want to skip ahead. So the high highs, low lows, hyper, hypo. We have hyper, because oftentimes it might look like levels of disorganization. However, ADHD can also lead to high levels of organization. Um, I like to use the term type A instead of OCD because obsessive compulsive disorder is a disorder of its own that deserves its own attention and definition and respect because it can, having type A tendencies, meaning um, needing order, right, or desiring order can be different than the psychological strain that OCD, how it affects a person with OCD. So I want to distinguish that. So it can be OCD. However, hyper levels of organization can simply be like a type A characteristic. So I just want to spend a little moment distinguishing that because I think that I know that um, people with OCD do not appreciate people joking about OCD. It can be such a stressful life to live. And so um, hyper levels of organization, hypo levels of organization. So complete disorganization, uh, executive functioning skills, not being there, meaning being able to um, organize not just your thoughts, but also paperwork or a filing system, like a mental filing system and an external filing system. Uh, Hygiene issues because of it, because of the hyper ability to hyper focus and hypo focus. So a lot of times we're focused on the lack of focus, the inability to focus so that then um, like it's hard to hold the attention of someone with ADHD, but at the same time, someone with ADHD, I'm, I'm speaking for myself too, as someone diagnosed, like I am not medicated. I decided not to be medicated and I have spent an entire life learning how to attend to that. And, um, I'm not going to dive too far into, um, medication and prescription. I'll just touch on that very, very lightly. But mostly what I want to talk about is the signs and symptoms and a, li- a bit of management towards the end. 
and how this comes around in the conversation of anxiety, right? So hyper, hypo focus, energy levels, hyper energy levels, and super low energy levels. Because we don't have that relationship with time, that extended longevity relationship with time, we're like exerting ourselves incredibly to the point of exhaustion, therefore low lows at times too. And like crashing and burning or falling asleep within minutes. <laughs> In fact, um, sometimes, you know, a lot of and this, these, what's so fascinating about all of this, oh, sorry, I'm talking so fast because I'm so, I'm very, very passionate about this, um, that I'm doing my best to be broad stroke about ADHD and then bring it into a broad stroke conversation about anxiety, but in a way that's understandable, relatable, and then something that you can work with in your life, right? And to to hear this and be like, oh my God, yeah, so I'm not alone. Like, I'm not crazy. This is not just me. Or maybe you're listening and realizing like, hey, whoa, maybe I should you know, see a therapist and get some ADHD tests and da 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 da. So, but the thing I want to say is that it's still custom to everybody. So I might be describing things and you're like, I have ADHD, but that's not how mine shows up, right? Very typical. I, there's no way I could cover every single way that ADHD and anxiety manifest for people. And then the the particular concoction, the cocktail of yours combined, right? <laughs> so doing my best to be broad strokes here, but also doing my best to serve the topic justice. Hypo and hyper memory function. So you might have hyper memory function, remember very specific things, specific details, specific memories, and maybe ones that you don't even want to have, but very vivid memory. And then also incredibly not vivid memory. I am not great with memory. Um, I, I often joke like, hi, I'm Dory. There are so many things. Um, I feel like I don't have a high storage capacity. Like if, if we were measuring it, it'd be like, I have like 60 gigs of data in my brain to hold. And anytime I'm hitting that level of data, that something's falling out. <laughs> and so I write a lot of things down. I track, I journal, I diary. I have so many forms of, of physical tracking because I do not rely on myself to remember pretty much anything. And so if I want to, if I, I've just come up with an incredible tracking system for myself that I've had to customize and that may work for people and that may not work for people. So um, again, I said executive functioning. Uh, some really clear, the most typical signs and symptoms for people or uh, that are like, um, you know, again, Google searching is like inattentiveness, uh, hyperactivity, like physical hyperactivity, but it's also brain hyperactivity or emotional hyperactivity. And then another one is impulsivity and reactivity. So in, the impulsive is like, there's no, there's not, <laughs> there's a really short time from what we think to what we do or what we think to what we say. Some people, you know, it's like no filter, but it's a very impulsive behavior not to like think, then breathe, then do, right? It's just thought done, thought action. And same thing with reactivity. It, so we can get in trouble by something happens to us and we simply react to the moment or react to the person or situation without thinking can, can get us in trouble, right? Um, it, it can be life-saving, but most scenarios aren't life-threatening. And that's where it can become pretty disruptive behavior. In fact, this the next thing I want to put, say is I have a list of ADHD can be seen as, it is seen as disruptive. Now, a lot of this li lives inside of the school system, um, in inside of a societal function, right? This neurotypical societal definition, and then like even in the workforce. And so it looks like disruptive, maybe unaware. It might look like disassociation. It might look like heavily distracted, uh, said another way is like squirrel brain or shiny object syndrome. So just an inability to focus. Um, it might also look like spacey or ditzy or dumb, right? It might look like irresponsible. That's a, that's a big one, irresponsible. Uh, a lack of caring. So these two, uncaring and irresponsible, kind of go together because it's like, if you cared more, you would pay attention. But that's not, you're, you're basically 
people collapse, especially um, like in the school system or at work, your inability to focus being tied to a lack of care or dedication or commitment, like the, it's like this doesn't equal that. And so it, but when neurotypical people can have a sustained level of focus, they're, and they're expecting that of someone with ADHD, there is a gap that if misunderstood can, can cause, it goes from a um, logistical gap to an ethical or moral gap of uncaringness or irresponsibility. So this is where problems can lie. The also seen as ADHD may also seem seen as boredom. Um, and so those are all things that can become troublesome for somebody growing up specifically, growing in the growing up phase. As an adult, you would hope that you learn how to manage it better so that um, you're able to navigate these things, but it can create a real stigma for a young kid coming up with ADHD. We're in a more mainstream world, or like ADHD is part of the mainstream world conversation now, but um, we're part of the generation, as far as millennials, we're part of the generation where um, ADHD became, a f- was coined as a term and um, and then it was starting to be treated, prescribed, medicated, all of that, which, you know, people are still spending years worth of their life trying to find a prescription or dosage that suits them to manage um, ADHD, which when it comes to prescriptions, you know, Ritalin was one of them, um, Adderall, there's a few different types out there, no matter what their names are, um, to manage ADHD. And that a lot of times people's main complaint is that it just changes their personality because it's basically altering their chemistry in a way that's helping them become neurotypical. However, what I'm going to share is that a lot of our genius lies in our ADHD tendencies. And so when people feel like they're dulling or numbing their hyper activity, their their inherent nature or hyperactivity, um, we can tend to feel numbed out. And so um, I'm mostly having a conversation around not being medicated um, and talk a little bit more about management here sh- shortly. However, I want to bring up that growing up ADHD, the perceptions, especially in the s- school system, lead to similar effects of social anxiety, which I just recorded the social anxiety episode last week. So I would, if this is all resonating for you, I would just really encourage you to go check out the social anxiety episode. And so this begins to lead us into the ADHD and anxiety conversation because um, one social anxiety is a pretty typical result of growing up with ADHD also, a major component of uh, ADHD, let's see, anxiety induced by ADHD. I, I don't know how I'm going to say this throughout the episode, but it'll come to me eventually. Um, but consistent negative feedback from authority figures in our youth, uh, I think we learn to start to anticipate negative feedback from authority figures or that we're seen as the the, you know, the disruptive one to talk, we're all getting too talkative on our progress reports kind of thing. And so there's, there is a level of genius tucked in here, but oftentimes in a structural system like school, where we're expected to sit in seats and rows and desks for hours on end, that that doesn't really exorcise our hyperactivity. It doesn't exhaust the energy and focus that we do have. And so we're often bored and finding ways to entertain ourselves. Well, that doesn't suit well in a system, in an organized system or a structured system. So that can transfer onto the court, like as far as in teams and clubs, or then again into the um, workforce. A lot of times, uh, there's this, you know, this typical conversation about 
basically like beating it out of us in a way, you know, whether it's medication or uh, like breaking hyperactivity, as in you just need to be disciplined to sit still or disciplined to behave a certain way is really, it, it's like a wild stallion has to be actually broken of its spirit to become a racehorse. That's essentially what's happening in the case of trying to discipline ADHD down away from somebody or out of somebody. It is a, and it is an expression. It is a, there is that chemical, maybe an imbalance or simply a higher functioning of certain chemicals. And that can be more appropriately channeled and harnessed and directed and exorcised. That would be the more holistic approach. When I totally understand, I I, I mean, it can be utterly exhausting. It's exhausting to be us. <laughs> I can only imagine what it how exhausting it, it would be to raise us, right? And so I can understand somebody who's neurotypical being utterly exhausted by someone who's neurodivergent, particularly ADHD, right? And that doesn't mean that you must make an ADHD person a non-ADHD person. That's We're going to keep talking about that. But another cause of anxiety for people with ADHD is frequent disciplinary consequences. So again, negative, consistent negative feedback from authority figures and then frequent disciplinary consequences. Obviously, we know in the most extreme cases, this can even turn into legal issues, right? Jail time, whatever. Um, if we don't learn how to harness and direct these behaviors, especially if the a child is made to be, uh, you know, we identify them as the troublesome one. You know, there's so many studies about how kids turn out based on the way we speak to them as children, right? And so, uh, oh my God, I just, I'm loving this conversation. I hope you're loving it as much as I am because this is so, so important to me. And important to me that we're able to help these, help children and as adults, you guys, Something that I experience myself doing is basically adult education. These episodes, this podcast, the courses that I do, you know, other than calling it health class or life skills class, um, I just love being able to help us navigate, you know, turning the tide and being able to lay out a new path for people to walk that's healthier, that's more fulfilling, that's more exciting and enlivening and offers hope to um, places in our life that we were, we felt beat down or discouraged or that our gifts and characteristics were stifled. And so Hearts Unleashed is about unleashing your heart, not, not changing it. And so um, that these effects can be long-term because we begin to identify with being um, ridiculed, disciplined, outcasted, changed. So let's look at the long-term effects on the nervous system. The first thing I have here is strung out, um, meaning like the hyperactivity and it, it's like we ourselves can tire ourselves out, and yet we have an incredible amount of energy. And I had to learn how to shift the conversation from having anxiety to being eager. When I'm writing a book, when I'm launching a course, when I'm working on my website, I literally get so excited that my stomach hurts. I get so amped up about what I'm doing that I like my teeth chatter or I'll like make excited noises because I'm so happy to be doing what I'm doing. And yet I feel like I'm going to spontaneously combust because that's the amount I'm like literally an electrical, I have an electrical charge of how excited and energized I am. And so I am someone who has been so blessed to learn how to channel her hyperactivity. And people look at me or like, even you guys as listeners and, and readers and social media followers are like, how the fuck do you do it? How do you produce so much content? How you're, you're so busy. I am not busy. I am not busy. I am producing as much as is coming through me. <laughs> I am just 
keeping up with myself. And it's genuinely fun. It's genuinely funny when when you learn to manage it, manage it. I did spend years trying to produce more than my capacity. I have since increased my capacity. And um, it's, it's truly mad scientist era. It's all about figuring yourself out. It's all about studying yourself. And I'm, I'm getting into keys of success and I don't want to yet. So let me, let me jump back. The effects on the nervous system. So being strung out, you can you can exhaust yourself um, where you're not getting sleep because your brain's so hyperactive. I definitely suggest like channeling that, like jur- again, journaling, note taking, um, recording yourself, voice recording. Um, if you have a hyperactive brain like I do with hyperactive ideas. Um, Again, a lot of it's reactive, and I want to say something about that, meaning our brains can see problems and come up with solutions. Like There's so much brilliance in ADHD, but also it can be anxiety-inducing because it can cause us to want to act on every thought. And that's where we have a true challenge in our lives to be discerning about what we take on so that we don't overwhelm ourselves or overcommit or overextend. That's where we end up strung out. There's two ways I want to present strung out. And the first one is simply overstimulated and or sensory overload. Those are very common terms with anxiety and ADHD. And uh, overstimulated is just overly active. Um, sensory overload means our sense, all of our senses are being overloaded. They're overactive. There's too much going on around us. And so oftentimes this can happen from within with ADHD because we're thinking about too many things. We're processing too many things or trying to at least, uh, considering too many things. We're planning too many things. And so we can be strung out on our own like emotional waves and our own mental waves and like what we're trying to do within the brain. Like you overload a um, computer by having too much in it, too much of the memory, storage, data, storage overloaded, and then the computer starts to malfunction. That can happen for us. And then the sensory overload is that external, the external factors, noises, talking, um, clanking. I I have a really hard time at restaurants. Like there's different things for different people uh, where it can happen. And then sensory also is textile, uh, can cause different reactions or different sensitivities that can be triggering or activating for for us. And so that can be a lot of the strung out. And then I want to talk about more of that emotional wave that affects us. And so um, another thing that really affects the nervous system, like I mentioned in the social anxiety episode, is being perceived. So Part of that hyperactivity is being hyper aware of the things around us, of people around us, of what people say, because we've been criticized often in our life. We've been judged. I even on the other end of the spectrum, because I was a quote unquote good girl, I wasn't a troublemaker in class. I was actually more called goody two shoes, brown noser, teacher's pet. So like my hyperactivity I always tried to channel it to not get in trouble. And so I was always first in line, first to volunteer. I was always like my art teacher teased me. She would assign assignments and I would do two projects to every one project. So she would, you know, assign it was clay. It was uh, ceramics. And so I would literally make two of every assignment that we did. And she's like, she's like, I couldn't keep up with you. I'm like, no, nobody can. (laughs) And I just, I learned very early, you know, how to manage some of these things. And I was able to to channel the anxiety or the ADHD in a positive direction, but the anxiety often got the best of me. And so being perceived, like how people perceive you can really be stressful as a person with ADHD. And then exhaustion of self. Trust me when I say we might be hyperactive, but we're not ignorant. And we're, we may seem distracted, spacey, ditzy, um, low memory, but we are not dumb. And 
I have gone through many seasons of genuinely hating the way that I am. I I will give you a very specific example. As an entrepreneur, I do not fit. My dream was to be a teacher. And when I got there, it wasn't enough. It wasn't big enough. It wasn't fast enough. I couldn't do enough. It was too small. I didn't fit. It didn't fit. And so I left. And then I became a gym manager. And then I added a side hustle to channel my hyperactivity. Like, And I, I wouldn't call it hyperactivity you know, it's not like it runs my life, but I'm always like, I always have enough energy for a lot of things. And I also can burn myself out. So I have to know when to rest. And I've, I've learned that over the years, especially as an entrepreneur. However, when I've totally left corporate and being an employee, and I was out in the world making money on my own, that was when I had real tough seasons of like actively hating the way that I was. Because if I were just neurotypical, I could sit at a desk all day. I could, you know, show up to the same place five days a week. I could go in at eight. I could leave at six. I could drive my car home. Like it, that is a little bit nightmarish to me. Like I live in a van and literally ping pong all over the United States because that is a way that I can spend my focus and energy. And I can work all hours of the day because when I, if I get a hit at 1 a.m. and I want to get up and type my book, you know, I can, and that's awesome. And so, or I'm going to get off this podcast and then I'm going to change something on the website or I'm going to, I'm going to, you know, run an ad or whatever. So it's like, I have really found my own ways to exorcise this. However, when the going gets tough, especially financially for me in my seasons of entrepreneurship when I was starting and there were really tough seasons, I remember falling to my knees, like just wishing I could be neurotypical, wishing I could be quote unquote normal and just have that two week paycheck and not need to create, drum up my own business and find my own clients and, you know, find, you know, get listeners and, da, 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 da. you know, I, I wished it were easier for me. And I still wouldn't trade it for the world because like I am the way that I am and I don't want to be different. I really love all the fruits of who and how I am. And that comes with the challenges of who and how I am. Because if I, like, I laugh to myself, like, when I decide, oh, it's hard, you know, not knowing where your money's coming from or having to balance your own books and blah, blah, blah. And not balance my own books, but be, be mega responsible, right? Basically, I always like to say is choose your heart or pick your poison, right? Is I could I could trade all this in and I could go get my my two week paycheck job and the trade off would be I'd have the consistency in the finances but I'd also have incredible amount of consistency that someone with ADHD doesn't necessarily want. I want variety. I want spontaneity. I want change. I want action. I want movement. I want range of motion. I want autonomy. Like that's where I thrive. That's where I'm alive. Right. And so really harnessing, really nurturing the ways that we are um, can help us be, because we can truly become sick of ourselves too. Like I would love for my brain to stop for 15 minutes. And that's not always the case. And I've learned meditation. I've, you know, I've come to peace with my human condition. <laughs> and so it takes a lot of self-love, self-training, and we'll get into that in a minute. So um, another, but, but the, I'm still in the effects of on the nervous system, strung out, being perceived, which is high tension, high perception, constant, constantly being on, hating the way that we are, can really affect us on a deep, deep level neurologically. Another one, constant overwhelm, constant consideration, constant action of the brain, constant thinking, overthinking, analyzing, overanalyzing, all of those things can just be utterly exhausting, which if you're running a machine 24-7, it will wear down quicker. And so we with ADHD must learn how to rest 
And oftentimes for people that looks like an active form of rest, one of my favorite active forms of rest is crafting. So I'm a little bit more still. It's a little bit more of a, um, I call it brain breaks, like a brainless activity. I don't have to do a lot of thinking, but my hands are moving. Um, usually when I'm watching a movie, I'm also fidgeting with something in my hand. Um, even at dinner, I'm, you can almost always find me playing with something under the table because I am often channeling energy through my hands. I'm tapping, clicking, you know, all those things and not out of um, can't control it, but intentionally controlling it. Um, I, I actually listen best in class when I'm doodling on paper. So there's all these little tricks and trades that, you know, we can learn to see what works for us and what works for one person doesn't work for the other person. So that's really, really, um, can be hard to navigate, but it comes with age and intention, I would say. Um, one other effect I want to list as uh, affecting the nervous system is trying to fit into some version of neurotypical. I cannot stress enough um, trying to fit in and trying to change who you are on a structural level is not sustainable and it disregards your true nature. And so I just want to offer nothing inauthentic can withstand the test of time, period. Nothing inauthentic can withstand the test of time. So whatever it is, um, learning to manage and study yourself and then find out what your needs are and to meet those needs, that's what's going to help. And in fact, that's what we're going to move into right now, keys to success with ADHD and anxiety. Um, I hope that... I'm just hoping this is helpful. I'm hoping this is informative. Um, we're not in a conversation around getting rid of it. We're not in a conversation around ending ADHD or anxiety. So I mentioned this in one of my early anxiety series episodes, awareness, management, and integration. That is how I work with people. So I just want to start by saying, if all of this resonates and you're ready to get a better handle on either ADHD or anxiety, I would absolutely love to support you. I think it is one of my strongest areas to work with people. And so we create a ton of awareness, awareness all over your life, how this affects your life, what, how you behave, why you behave the way you do, where your beliefs came from, where your self-identity came from, and how it shapes your life and how it shapes your behaviors and your actions and your reactions. And then management, equations for success, um, practices, life skills, um, communication skills, develop, uh, developing all sorts of management tools and skills and, and see what really works for you. And I, I work with people on a long-term basis because you may say, I'm going to do this this week. And then you we come back to the next call the next week and you're like, that did not work. That was not a good set for me. And so then we recalibrate. And then integration. Again, this is about saying, I do deal with ADHD. I do deal with anxiety. These are parts of me. This is part of my experience. And I'm going to embrace that. And I'm going to integrate that. I'm going to embody that so that because what we resist persists. So if you refuse to take a look at this part of your life, then it will just stay there knocking on your door asking for attention. But if you give it the attention it deserves and you integrate it into your life and say, I have hyperactive brain, I have hyperactive feelings because actually, I wish I would have said this earlier, hyperactivity has a lot to do with our feelings. Like I feel so much. I am so incredibly sensitive. And so, um, I feel that that's a big part of my personal brand of ADHD is that this hyper ability to feel things, um, can really affect me. And so to pull that into me, to pull in my ability to think, see, and then solve, to witness and feel like all of those are a part of my superpowers when I embrace them. But if I resist them, they can be a part of what irritates me the most about myself, right? Integration is 
absolute key to success. And then another key to success is customization. I mean, it's self-explanatory. I've been saying it all episode long. There is no one-size-fits-all solution. There's no one-size-fits-all medication or dosage. There's no one-size-fits-all, you know, diet or exercise. Uh, Listen, God bless all y'all who exercise for fun, but, or exercise to burn energy, uh, it might work for some. It doesn't work for all. I can tell you it doesn't necessarily work for me. Um, I do exercise because body physical is supposed to, but mostly just out of out of I care about myself enough to live a long life, a long healthy life, but not because it's what burns my energy. And then, um, so, you know, taking the kid out to run in circles isn't exactly always the thing that's going to tire them out. For me, intellectual exhaustion is going to put me to sleep faster than physical exhaustion. And so really exercising my brain. Um, Key to success, learn, learn, self-study, self-study. If you're just getting started or want to just get started, I, this feels like such a silly suggestion, but I definitely suggest TikTok and Instagram. You do need to be discerning about who is a professional and who is not. But if you listen to their, their information enough, it's likely you're going to be able to distinguish if it resonates with you. But I actually think the most forward, um, the most up to date in real time, um, uh, there's a way I want to say this. It's really specific. It's not textbooky. It's not WebMDE. Like it's real. Oh my god! There are so many TikTokers and IG content creators that explain this stuff in a way that's going to literally burst your brain open. You're like, oh my god, that's neurodivergence. That's that's a part of ADHD. What? 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 And so that's why there's no way I could possibly begin to encapsulate like all that this entails. But um, TikTok and Instagram, there are a lot of professionals on there just wanting to serve the collective. I love the era we live in. I love the time and space of reality that we are a part of. I think it's fascinating. And I think you can get so much information that you're seeking just like by hashtagging, you know, ADHD on TikTok and Instagram and and finding out what you find out. But again, be discerning. Don't just listen to everybody, but there's a lot of great creators. And, you know, um, I think that the numbers don't lie in that case. Like, the, some of the most watched content is uh, really insightful for for what you might be trying to understand. And then you could just get more specific in what your searches are. The last key, which has a handful of notes anyways, you guys, I love you for being here. Um, the last key to success is authenticity. Mm, let me talk about it. Authenticity. What is required for authenticity is healing over your past healing any PTSD you have about ADHD. Like I said, your upbringing, the way you were raised, the way you were disciplined, what you heard, what you were called. Healing is so important because so many of us probably feel like ADHD is the reason we've suffered or that we're bad because of it, that we're wrong because of it, that we're a burden because of it. So you have to do healing. Next is self-acceptance. People come to me convinced that they need to change. And what I'm here to do and promote is for you to become the most you that you can become. That's the entire concept of Hearts Unleashed is know you, be you, love you, share you, unleash you, deliver you, give your gifts, shine your light. So self-acceptance accepting the way that you are, accepting the ways that you feel and think and how much energy you have or don't have, um, all of those, that self-acceptance is absolutely required, one, for authenticity and for your ultimate success. The next thing I want to say for my peeps with ADHD is strengthen your strengths. You have so many strengths you have so many gifts and abilities. And for the most part in your life, they've been discouraged and criticized. And I'm telling you, bring them back out of the closet, get them out of the toolbox, because it is your greatest strength. Strengthen your strengths. Highlight your superpowers and your genius. Um, I'm going to give you a quick example. 
I was literally a self-assigned uh, school mascot in high school. I bought this mustard costume. I painted it green. We were the Oilers. So I would go to the football games in this oil can, this self-made oil can, right? And I would I made a cheer squad that wasn't cheerleading. It was just fan, a super fan, right? And I would cheer and we would do push-ups every time the team scored. And I literally stood in front of the student section and like called out freaking cheers. And people did it with me. And I was stoked every freaking game. And like we bought t-shirts, like we made t-shirts. It was so much fun. And in my adulthood, I have an entire freaking community. We don't do cheers, y'all, you and me, but we show up for, I host retreats and events and conferences, and I help people write their books, and we have courses, and I'm teaching, and I'm cheering people on. I have a superpower of mediation, facilitation, collaboration, cooperation, coagulation, <laughs> and to bring people together and to bring people together around something to celebrate and believe in. That is a superpower. And it wasn't always everybody's favorite thing. Or sometimes I was uh, teased about it or looked down uh, or made fun of or whatever. And so you have to highlight what you're freaking great at and find a way to live it out. It might be inside of a job. It might be that you make your own, whatever, but you got to know what your needs are and highlight those and meet them. And then I want to say two things right here. I have them listed, but they kind of go together. All right. I'm going to say this one first. Learn your needs and triggers. Learn what triggers you, learn what upsets you, learn what your needs are, learn what distracts you, right? And get a better handle on those. This is that healing. If you need help, reach out. I do discovery calls. I'd love to talk to you if, if you need the support. Or a, a therapist is also a really great approach to this work. That being said, you need to be able to work on your weaknesses. And that doesn't mean you need to turn your weaknesses into strengths. You do need to fully understand your weaknesses and soft spots and downfalls or breakdowns. You, that's very, very important when you're being a well-rounded individual, a well-rounded adult, a contributing member to society. You need to know your weaknesses, but also you can delegate your weaknesses if you're not highly organized, maybe having a house cleaner once a week is a, a good investment for you. Um, that somewhat, because body doubling, I mean, I, I'm not even going to go into all the HD support mechanisms that there are, but, you know, having appropriate forms of accountability in your life, if, if being, being held accountable is a weakness for you, then set yourself up for accountability. So you need to set up structures for success around your weaknesses, whether that's delegation or support and accountability or both, obviously. Um, that's going to be where you're going to start feeling like you're thriving because you don't have to turn your weaknesses into strengths. You just need to manage them and have a better handle on them and then highlight your strengths. So this is where you're not only raising the ceiling in what's possible for your life, like blowing the lid off of what's possible, but you're also raising the floor underneath your feet. You're strengthening the foundation that you're standing on. So you're not always just walking on this like shaky foundation or trying to build a the house of cards on sand and saying, I've got my shit together. And really you're just like one breath of a wind is going to knock your whole life over. We don't want that. And so I want to say that with ADHD, with anxiety, you can live an, an incredibly functional and successful life. And it does take some serious commitment and work. And it, it just takes a different type of focus and attention. And you can, and you have a lot of focus and attention when focused on what you're happy and excited about. Listen to me when I say, if it is something I do not want to focus or work on, if I am not passionate, I don't have energy. I don't, I'm not hyperactive. That's when I go hypo, hypoactive, hypo attentive is that, oh my God, scratch my eyes out if I have to be working on something I don't want to be working on, right? So we can be incredibly excited and passionate about what we want to be. And then it's really hard to be excited and passionate about what we don't want to be. And I think that that's actually pretty typical for everybody. So 
I don't consider that neurodivergent. I just consider that we're a little bit more in the reactive and impulsive side of the spectrum. So it becomes a neurodivergent behavior. Oh my God, I freaking love this conversation. One more, one more. The last key to success, practice self-advocacy and enhance communication skills. You cannot do these two if you do not do all the other keys to success. So you can't advocate for yourself if you don't know yourself, if you haven't integrated all of these components, and if you don't have a full understanding of what your needs are and where you thrive and how you thrive. And enhancing communication skills, you can't communicate what you don't know about yourself. So, and this is just a major breakdown for us is like, it's like, you're like, I'm so frustrated, but I can't tell you why or what, or I can't put words to it. This is our responsibility. We have to be our best advocate. We have to, we know ourselves best. And you are basically, by me saying that and you agreeing, you're breaking an entire lifetime's worth of authority figures telling you, sit down, shut up. Like authority has told you about you for your whole life. And now you're deciding to say, I know me best. I know what I need. I know what I don't need. I know what I want to do. I know what I do not want to do, what I will not do right? Because sitting for however many hours in a chair is not something we probably ever wanted to do, but we had to, we were told to, or we failed because we didn't, right? And told will never amount to anything when in fact, we're some of the most driven and successful people on the planet, right? And so I just want to commend you. I want to acknowledge you. I want to awaken the ADHD in you and say, you are beautiful. You are smart. You are capable. You ha- you are so incredibly capable that you cannot even perceive how capable you are and, and the capacity that you have for greatness. And that um, my experience is I experience much less anxiety when I am living out my hyperactivity, when I'm like giving it room to play and express and create, because basically it's like a champagne bottle. And if you've got um, ADHD and you're holding your hand on the cork and then you're shaking and shaking it 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 and shaking it, and you never let the cork pop off, right? You're forcing it. That's basically ADHD unexpressed the lid just wants to pop off. And when you have the cork stuck on, it's where anxiety then builds up. But if we pop off, then the anxiety can sort of off gas and come out. And so does the it, so does the energy, that hyperactivity comes out too. And then we're sort of expressing it. And now we're just in a flow. And this is the flow I've been in for years and years and years is I am producing what six people can produce. And I am not straining myself to do it. I am simply just steady, consistent, reliable. Um, I've learned to take care of myself. I function well. I eat well. I sleep wonderfully. And so like, I'm just a, I'm just, I have the energy of six or seven or eight people. In fact, I remember about three years ago, I just, just stopped in a coaching call. And I was like, oh my God, I have like six careers. I'm, I'm a ghostwriter. Some people only ever be a ghostwriter. I'm a CEO of a company. Some people only ever do that. I have a podcast. I write books. I, again, ghostwrite. I coach. Some people only ever coach. And I'm doing like six of these things. Holy freaking crap. And so I had to, one, just like get in touch with my capacity and make sure that all my physiological needs are met so I'm taking good care of myself and I can keep doing what I can do. Or I can decide to take one off or add something or move something, but I'm in control of my life. My mm, things aren't in control of me. I don't want to call them an issue or a dysfunction or a symptom or a syndrome because I don't relate to them as that. I relate to them as who Abigail Rose Gazda came into this world as in this round, and this is how her structure is, and and I get to work with it as best as I possibly can, and I have a whole lot of fun figuring it out. I am having the time of my life every day of my life, even when I'm crying, even when it's tough, even when I'm scared, even when I'm tired, even when I'm overwhelmed, even when I'm anxious, and, you know, I hope, I hope that this episode this anxiety series has given you hope, has given you more excitement, 
than anxiety. I hope this entire season has nurtured you to the depth of your soul. Um, I hope your heart feels unleashed to the next level, a whole season's worth of a next level. You know, I'm, I'm reminded that this season started with the Chakra series. And if you've been listening to the uh, anxiety series, I do think that the Chakra series will really help you with some nervous system regulation. Whew, so, so powerful. And so from the top to the bottom of my whole being, not just my heart, my whole being, thank you for tuning into the Hearts Unleashed podcast season six. We will be launching season seven on my birthday, February 28th. Join me live on social media February 1st, 2024 for the top 20 countdown on my social medias. I love every bit of this. And I love that you tune in and I am forever, forever grateful. So thank you for tuning into the Hearts Unleashed podcast where we are turning dreamers into doers. I will see you in season seven. Thanks for tuning in to the Hearts Unleashed podcast. We hope you found all the inspiration that you needed today and that you use it to take the next inspired action on your dreams. If you love the show, share it with a friend. We love spreading the love. For more information, to listen to more episodes, or to shop Hearts Unleashed, visit us at heartsunleashed.com. See you next time, hearts.